Hello again, and welcome back to Spain to Go, the best podcast in the entire multiverse about all things Spain. As usual, I am your host, Daniel Welsh, and I'm in Barcelona, just chilling on a cold polar vortex morning. So I thought I would, instead of going out, sit here and record a new podcast for you. Today we're going to talk about the difference between an expat, an immigrant, and a giddy. A little bit of vocabulary here. If you're listening to me, I assume you speak English. So I'm guessing you have some idea about the difference between an expat and an immigrant. But there are words that overlap a lot, and there's a bit of a debate about which one people should use. So, are you an expat? Are you an immigrant? Are you a giddy? I personally am probably all three. So, what's the difference? Well, I've done a little bit of research about this, and we'll talk about what the general consensus about what an expat or an immigrant is a little bit later. But first, a bit of backstory. I'm a long-term resident of Spain. I've been here about 18 years. I showed up with a tourist visa and no plan whatsoever about 18 years ago. In uh, 2004, I showed up. I was 21 years old. I was sort of broke. You know, I had saved some money from a job I was working in the U.S., and I just wanted to have a European adventure. After a few months, I kind of decided I wanted to stay. So despite my tourist visa, I ended up being something else. I don't know exactly how you stop being a tourist somewhere, but eventually I was renting a room in a bad neighborhood. I had a badly paid job. I was paying a phone bill. So is that an immigrant? Certainly not a tourist. In those days, I would also kind of joke with my friends about my sad immigrant life. I thought it was hilarious because, you know, looking like I do, I was often confused with a Polish construction worker or something, depending on the neighborhood. When I was living in in Vallecas in Madrid, people would think one thing, and then when I moved up to a better neighborhood, people would see me and think something completely different just because I uh, have a certain look, but that could mean different things depending on where you are. But yes, my sad immigrant life, I figured someday I would be, you know, found dead in my rented room surrounded by empty beer cans and the newspapers would print a tiny article about a immigrant who is suspected to be a member of the Ukrainian mafia or something. You know, things that people joke about when they're uh, absurd youngsters. That was about 2006, and time just kept passing after that. I continued doing my bad job. I continued struggling with Spanish bureaucracy to get legal, about 10 years ago, I finally became a 
legal resident, a subject of His Serene Majesty Juan Carlos I. We've changed kings since then, so I guess I'm a subject of a different king at this point. But yes, after I actually became legal and a tax-paying citizen, citizen is maybe not the correct word either, a tax-paying resident, I think I started using the word expat more to describe myself. Eventually, when I started my blog, expatmadrid.com, I just wanted the keywords for SEO reasons. I was hoping to eventually earn money off of the blog, and expatmadrid.com was born. I don't love the word. It just seemed better than immigrantmadrid.com. In my dealings with lawyers, of course, I have to go to immigration lawyers, and I have to deal with the Ministry of Immigration. I believe now it's the Ministry of Immigration and seven other things. I forget exactly what, but I do all of these things that immigrants do. If you've ever been to the police station in Aluche in Madrid, where you put you know, your fingerprint to get your ID card, well, there's a whole lot of different people there, and some of them, well, they're from all different social classes, all different countries. It's a very interesting mix. Not all of them would probably identify as immigrants. The BBC has an article about the difference between expats and immigrants. They say that often expat is used to describe educated Rich professionals working abroad. Another quote from the same article says that expats are the rich, educated, developed elites. And this is sort of hilarious because literally nobody is calling me uh, developed elite anything. <laughs> rich, educated, developed elites. I think that what they mean by expats is sort of the people who work at the embassies and things like that. Here in Spain, we have, you know, an American embassy in Madrid. I've been there several times. There's a consulate, at least in Barcelona. And I'm sure there's a lot of people working for the embassy and the State Department and all of that who might be expats in the sense of rich elites. I'm guessing that the U.S. ambassador makes plenty of money. Not that I know anything about it. However, I'm definitely not anybody's idea of a rich, educated, developed elite. I'm just a guy with a blog. Some other proposed definitions for expat versus immigrant is that expats are white, immigrants are not, which seems fairly reasonable, I guess. But, once again, I used to live in Madrid, near all of the embassies for the African countries, and there were plenty of people walking around there who were definitely not immigrants, who were potentially the embassy people from Cameroon or whatever. Definitely not what you would think of for immigrants. Some other definition involves the amount of time that people plan to stay in the country it has been proposed that immigrants plan to stay forever, whereas expats eventually want to go home. 
I don't know. Maybe that's a good way of defining it. In that case, I guess I'm probably an immigrant. Anyway, it seems like a fairly ambiguous conversation to have. The BBC article that I mentioned earlier also talks about migrant workers, which I guess technically I could be a migrant worker also, or I was a migrant worker before I became freelance. Migrant worker to me sounds like somebody who's on a farm, um, you know, moving from region to region to follow the different harvests or something, but it could also describe backpackers who show up thinking they're going to teach English, which I guess I was. So maybe I was just a migrant worker trying to scrape together money for sangria while I was spending my first few months in Spain. Teaching English is also very seasonal, which adds a little bit of the migrant worker uh, aspect to it. You might end up teaching in one place during the school year, and then in the summer you end up somewhere else where there's more work, working in a summer camp or something. I never did that because it sounded like torture to me to be hanging out at a summer camp full of teenagers, but I know people who do, and they, you know, work in Madrid from October to June, and then in July and August they're off in Extremadura or something. So, migrant workers. The big question of the day, though, is, am I a Giri? Are you a Giri? Well, I definitely am. Giri is just a word that Spanish people use. I suppose I should pronounce the R better. Giri. I don't know, something like that. Um, Giri is a word that Spanish people use to describe people from sort of wealthier northern countries. There's definitely a whiteness aspect to being a Giri. I have the typical Scandinavian or something look. So I definitely fit in. The other things about Giris is that supposedly they have this, this German tourist sort of vibe with the socks and the sandals and the really silly shorts and just... They might be um, not as well-dressed. They're just kind of silly-looking Northern European type people. It's not meant as an insult. It's a word that's been around for a long time. And it's kind of, you know, they say it con cariño. They say it in a way that's kind of, well, they like you. It's a term of endearment to some extent. I remember going to a friend's birthday party years ago and everybody there was Spanish except me. It was a Spanish girl who I was dating and so it was a whole bunch of Spanish people and me, and they kept joking the whole night. Oh, el giri. The giri is going to start balconing. Balconing was something that giris were doing back in those days, where you uh, jump off of the balcony of a hotel and attempt to get into the swimming pool. And, you know, it's a thing that people from England or Canada or whatever were kind of doing for Instagram several years ago. Some people died. Don't do it. I do not recommend it. But it was a joke. Oh, you know, after two or three drinks, the giri is going to start balconing. 
when I left the party at two or three in the morning, I was the first person to leave, of course, because leaving a party at two or three in the morning is something that only giddies do. Spanish people keep going all night long. So yeah, as a tall guy who's very pale and has a ginger beard, I'm pretty well resigned to the fact that Spanish people are going to usually consider me to be a giri tourist when I'm walking around. They'll talk to me extra slowly. They might get into long conversations about how I must be Irish, depending once again on where I am, but the insistence that I must be Irish is uh, a real thing. Nobody in my family is Irish, and I don't know if anybody in my family has even really been to Ireland, but that doesn't stop people from assuming. Anyway, I'd like to hear what you think. Are you an expat, an immigrant, a giddy, something else? If you're in uh, South America or Mexico or something like that, you might end up being called a gringo. If you're from the United States, of course. I'm guessing that's just for people from the United States still. Here it's not typical to call anyone a gringo, pero... But, you know, over there it could be. Anyway, one of the things that is interesting about living abroad is that you kind of end up being an unofficial ambassador for your whole culture. And I usually avoid talking about these issues because it gets a bit controversial, but people will make assumptions about you when you're walking around a foreign country, sometimes accurately, sometimes not so much. When people tell me I must be Irish because I quote-unquote don't look like someone from Arizona, I usually respond that people from Arizona look like all kinds of things. We're not all John Wayne. I don't know exactly what people imagine someone from Arizona looks like, but it's usually not me. When people ask me if I only eat hamburgers because they think that Americans only eat hamburgers, I can take it as a teachable moment. I don't have to get angry at people for assuming wrong. When people ask me, okay, a lot of people ask me, oh, you're from Arizona. Are you a Republican? Do you collect guns? Things like that. I try to give a nuanced answer in which I can explain that not everybody is exactly like the stereotype, but there is a reason for the stereotype, etc. If you're from somewhere else, I'm sure it will be the same. My girlfriend Morena here is from India, and so when she tells people that she's from India, people have a long list of presuppositions about that. India, oh, I love yoga. India, oh, that's so spiritual. Something like that. Not necessarily true. I mean, not all Indians are super spiritual and not all Indians do yoga. But they're probably just curious. They want to know a little bit more about you or me or a third party. And they don't know where to start. So they just start with whatever stereotype comes to mind. So... I try not to get too worked up about it. 
Anyway, you can swing by the blog for much, much more. It's at expatmadrid.com. It's also at barcelonaexpat.net, I believe, because I just buy domains and I have keywords that I like and I spend $12 a year to have the domain redirect. So you can definitely swing by expatmadrid.com or barcelonaexpat.net, which will both take you to the same places. And once again, I apologize for using the word expat. Another one. Oh God, digital nomad. I was going to end right here, but I remembered to mention digital nomads. Digital nomads is another word that I absolutely hate, but it's a good keyword for Google. It's a good keyword for SEO, so nomads. I would suggest that if you actually consider identifying yourself as a nomad primarily, you should probably look into the lives of the steppe peoples from Mongolia to see what actual nomadry is like. But I believe I do have an episode here called Four Reasons Why You Don't Want to Be a Digital Nomad or something similar. So I have used the word, the term, you know, it's a thing that we have to live with. I guess another day I could talk about Yankees and Americans and things like that. I was a bit distressed when I moved to Europe and found that Yankee refers to all Americans for them. And for me, Yankees were always, you know, people from New England or something. And we had negative ideas about Yankees, just like Yankees might have negative ideas about people from Arizona. So I didn't want to be associated with those damn Yankees. Anyway, once again, swing past the blog, read some more stuff. You can subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening to podcasts. You can leave me a review on uh, Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. If you go to the blog at expatmadrid.com, you can send me a message. You can follow me on Instagram. I post, I don't know, pictures of places that I go hiking and food that I'm eating. If you're really interested in that, please do follow me on Instagram. And anyway, I would love to hear from you. I have the statistics from this podcast, and it is apparent that some people are listening, but I'm not sure who. So please drop me a line. Let me know who you are. Let me know what you want to hear more of, and I'll try to make it happen for you. I hope you have a great day wherever you are in the world, and until next time, bye.